Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'll begin reading with verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Foy Hutchins is a pastor in Alabama. He really is a pastor in Alabama. In addition to being a pastor, he is also uh, a person who works as a sales consultant in the largest Buick dealership in the state of Alabama. Now, this dealership's general manager has two rules that have to be obeyed by every sales uh, representative for every customer who comes to that Buick dealership. And Foy Hutchins says, here's what those two rules are. Number one, everyone gets to test drive a vehicle. And number two, everyone receives payment options in writing before they leave. Now, if you have ever, if you have ever shopped for a car in a dealership, you know that especially that second one is pretty important because there's all kinds of fine print everywhere that they'll try to pull over you. These are his, his two rules. Number one, everyone gets to test drive a vehicle. Number two, everyone receives payment. Well, one day, Foy Hutchins, this pastor who's also a sales rep at the Buick dealership, he, he saw this man coming up on the lot looking at cars. He turned out to be a judge, a local judge. And he goes out and he's talking to him. And he tells him, he says... Uh, He's looking at, a, at, a, a, at that time, a 2013 Buick LaCrosse, and Hutchins says to him, he says, uh, look, he said, we can, I, I, I want you to test drive the vehicle. My, my general manager says there are two rules you, everybody ought to have who walks on the dealership. One is you get to test drive the vehicle. Number two, you get uh, the payment options in writing. And here's what the judge told him. He said, no, don't think so. He said, I'm okay with the test drive. But he said, if I let you put it on paper... It will give it life, and I'll be forced to make a decision, unquote. Deuteronomy 30 is a passage that confronts us with an inescapable decision. Verse 15, Moses talking. See, I set before you today life and prosperity. Death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to keep His commandments, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day, that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his voice and hold fast to him, for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land that he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There was a man a few years ago 
who was traveling through rural Arizona, he was going out to the Hopi Indian Reservation. They, they, uh, certain times during the year, the Hopi Indians perform these ceremonial dances. And it's quite a show, I understand. I've never seen it. And people uh, uh, drive from hundreds and thousands of miles all, from all across the country to see these ceremonial dances by the Hopi Indian tribe. And this man traveled to uh, the uh, reservation out there to see these uh, ceremonial dances. He went across some desert terrain, and as he was going across this desert terrain, one of his tires blew out, and it was in the middle of nowhere. And he didn't really know what to do. It was getting late in the evening. He remembered about 10 miles back, passing a, just this, one of these remote service stations. You can see it in the desert. It's the only one out there. There's a guy smoking a pipe and drinking a Coke out on the front, rocking back and forth. And he looks like he hasn't moved from that rocking chair in about 40 days and 40 nights. You get the picture. And so he remembered that gas station and he started walking from his car back to the gas station, 10 miles. And as he's going, uh, out of nowhere, this car comes up, and he hitches a ride from there to the gas station. He gets to the gas station. The driver drops him off, and he gets to the front uh, where the, the sales attendant, the gas station attendant, is, is sitting out there in the rocking chair, and he said, um, this is a gas station? He said, yep. I said, you fix flat tires? And he said, yep. And the guy said, how much do you charge? The man took his pipe out of his mouth, and he says, what difference does it make? He didn't have much of a choice. But Deuteronomy 30 tells us that we have quite a choice. The Israelites, by the time you get to Deuteronomy 30, have come out of Egyptian slavery. They've crossed the Red Sea, split open so that it is like dry ground. They have gone to Sinai, and uh, God has given Moses on two different occasions the law, the Ten Commandments, and everything else that went with the law. By this time, they've already sent a committee of 12 up into the promised land. They've come back, and by a 10 to 2 recommendation, they recommended that the people not go into Canaan yet because it's the people there are too big. And so the people decide not to go, and God punishes them by making them wander in the desert for one year for every day the, the tribe, the committee was up in Canaan, which is 40 days. So for 40 years, they wander. And they wander. And during that 40 years, uh, almost the entire group of people who lived to come out of Egypt died in that desert. The only families who survived that 40 years was Moses' family and Joshua's family and Caleb's family. Outside of that, probably about 80% of the people who came out of Egyptian slavery were dead. There's a whole new generation and grand generation that has come up during that 40 years time who did not know Egypt, never spent one moment of any day in Egypt. They don't know what God did. They've heard it from their fathers, grandfathers, and so forth. Moses has told them, but they don't, they don't know it through experience. And, and so they come to the end of that 40-year period. They're on the banks of the Jordan in the plains of Moab, and God has already told Moses, you're not going over. And Moses knows that it's time for him to say goodbye. And he's worried. He's so worried. I think this is every, I know speaking personally, this is every pastor's worry. 
And here it is. Moses was worried that they were going to forget. He was worried that they would forget what the Lord their God had done. And so Moses sits down and he drafts three speeches. And those speeches are the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy consists of three speeches that Moses delivered in the plains of Moab on the banks of the Jordan to the people of Israel. And the whole premise of these three speeches is don't forget what God has done. When you get over there into Canaan and God gives you those cities one after another after another, don't forget what God has done. Be careful that you do not forget. That happens. That phrase recurs over and over in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is a Greek word that literally means deuteronomos. Deutero is two. Nomos is law. And literally it means second law. There really wasn't a second law. What Deuteronomy is, is a a review of the original law. Because Moses is afraid they're going to forget. He's been with them night and day for 40 years. They've lived together. they camped out together. He has seen them at their best and at their worst. He knows the things they struggle with. And here in his last words to his people before he dies... And before Joshua takes him into the promised land, he's sharing the things that he considers to be the most important things for them to remember. And toward the end of the third speech, there are 34 chapters in Deuteronomy. Chapter 34 was written by somebody other than Moses. It's basically an addendum, a, a funeral memorial to Moses. But here Moses is, the last of the speeches, and he says, now... All of this to say this, he says, God has set before you a choice, a clear choice, life and prosperity or death and destruction. Be careful. We don't want to make this into a gospel of prosperity message. That's not what Moses is talking about. What he's basically saying is God has placed before you the option of following him or not following him. It's that clear. It's that simple. And you need to choose today what? You want to do. This passage is so good to us, for us. It's an old passage that speaks volumes to us today. It says a number of things. First of all, it tells us, obviously, that life consists of choices. We make a choice the moment we get up in the morning. You know what the choice is? Whether to get up. You chose to get up. I'm so thankful for you. Some folks chose not to get up. For lunch today, we have uh, Mike Laster and some folks making a chicken queue. He always cooks great food. It's to benefit the Haiti mission team. I hope, uh, I hope by the way, you'll stay and eat with us. It's for a donation down the fellowship hall. They begin serving at 11 o'clock. We'll go right on through the end of the lunchtime. So we will have a choice of where to eat. Or whether to eat. I'm going to pray for those who choose not to eat. Something's wrong with those folks. I'm going to choose to eat chicken Q. Because I like it. In fact, there's not a whole lot I don't like. I don't like chicken livers. But that's a whole other sermon. God never meant for people to eat chicken livers. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Chicken livers and boiled okra were not meant by the Lord to eat. That's unclean food right there. That's unclean food. What are you doing, Alex? 
Do you like chicken livers? Oh, he was. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. Yeah. Life consists of choices. Now, some of the choices that we'll make every day really don't amount to a hill of beans. Whether I'm going to wear a black suit or a blue suit, you know, either one, uh, you know, those things really don't matter that much. There are other choices we make that make all the difference in the world. Uh, where I'm going to go to college, or if I'm going to go to college. What do I want my career to be? What is God calling me to be? Who, who will I date? And what will be the rules of dating? Very important choices. And, and what about marriage? The choice of a mate. It's an incredible, an incredible decision to make. Uh, the decision of where we're going to live. The decision of buying a house. The decision of buying a car. All of those things are major decisions that have great impact. But what Moses, what God through Moses is challenging the people to do is something far greater than just even the greatest decisions that we can think about. He's offering them the way of life that impacts eternity for them. We have, and we have numerous possibilities for a lot of things we do, but, but he places a very clear, it's either this or that. So many things in life are not this or that. Uh, I was reading recently on a, a website, you're going to love this, uh, algebra.com. How many of you have visited there any time during the last year? Algebra.com? Thank you, Michelle. Michelle and her fella are up here. If you have 10 different books, they have to be 10 different books, and you put them on a shelf. Now picture this, on a shelf, 10 different books side by side. Do you know, do you know how many different possibilities there are? of arranging those books? How many different possibilities? For 10 books. Now, I didn't go back and check this, but this was on algebra.com. Over 3 million possible different arrangements to those 10 books on a shelf. That doesn't seem possible, does it? That's what it says on there. All kinds of possibilities. But Moses says, I'm not going to complicate things with that. I'm just going to lay before you two choices, life or death. The way of life following Christ, the way of death disobeying Christ. Life consists of choices. And in Deuteronomy 30, 15, he sets before every one of us, he says, verse 15, See, I've set before you today life and death. And the life part of it, verse 16 says, includes loving God, walking in his ways, keeping his word. And he repeats that in similar fashion in verse 20, love, listen, hold fast. So you have love, walk, and keep, and love, listen, and hold fast. Always starts with love. By the way, in Deuteronomy, the word love is always an an active verb. It's never an emotion. It's never a noun. It's an active verb. And it always begins with, you've got to love the Lord your God. Second, our choices have consequences. I'm not a big country music fan, but when I do listen to country music, I don't like most modern country music because I don't believe it's really country music. I mean, if it doesn't have a slow twang, it is not country music. It's not. And so, one of my favorite country music artists, 
though I'm not a country music fan, was George Jones. He knew how to do it. But he had all kinds of problems, which is probably good because country music, better than any other kind of music, honestly portrays the struggles of common people. I'm telling you, country music is very honest with people. My D-I-V-O-R-C-E, you know, yeah. It's in the Baptist hymnal, number 34. Go ahead and check it out. Not really. George Jones, right uh, toward the last years of his life, he, he, he had a big alcohol problem, and he was driving drunk one night and had a, a, an accident and almost killed him. But he recovered, and after he recovered, he wrote a song called Choices. Here's some of the words. I've had choices since the day I was born. There were voices that told me right from wrong. If I had listened, no, I wouldn't be here today living and dying with the choices I've made. I guess I'm paying for the things that I've done. If I could go back, oh, Lord knows I'd run, but still I'm losing this game of life I play, losing and dying with the choices I made. George Jones knew that there are consequences to the choices we make. In this passage, there are positive consequences and negative consequences. Positive, verse 16. If you do these things, you will live and increase, and the Lord, your God, will bless you. If you don't do these things, verse 17, you will be destroyed. You will not live long in the land the Lord is giving you. Choices have consequences. The third thing I want to note in this passage is that our choices are easy, but not easy. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? They're easy, but not easy. What I mean by that is, by the fact that that they're easy, it means it's very clear. It's life or death. That's very clear. But by being clear, certainly we should not take that to mean that they're going to be easy to make. In fact, the Bible is very clear that choosing the way of Christ is a way that is incredibly difficult. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus puts it this way. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In other words, following God is difficult. It'll be the most difficult decision to live out that you will ever make in your life. Joshua knew this, the successor to Moses in Joshua 24. You know these verses. He says, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are dwelling. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You've heard that verse, but have you heard what comes after that? After that, the people say, God forbid that we not serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. And here's what Joshua says in verse 19. You're not able to serve the Lord. That's what he says. Let me read this to you. Then the people answered, verse 16, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Verse 19, Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord. You know what he meant by that? He meant it's going to be hard. You see, knowing what we need to do is easy, but doing what we need to do is incredibly difficult. In fact, we can't do it in our our own power. We must have the grace of God to help us. 
And then finally, this passage teaches us that our choices have a solid basis. Why should we serve the Lord? Why should we do it? We could probably think of a number of reasons, but here's what Moses said in verse 20, the last part of verse 20. He says, here's why you need to choose life and choose the way of Christ, choose the way of God. He says, for the Lord is your life. He's not just your God, although that's great. He's not just your Savior, although that's great. He's not just your Lord, although that's great. He is your life. Therefore, choose him. For 11 years, there was a man by the name of Mirhan Nasseri. Mirhan Nasseri was a man without a country. For 11 years, he lived in a Paris airport. Now listen up to this. For 11 years, Mirhan Nasseri lived in the Paris International Airport. He had no passport, no citizenship. He had no papers that enabled him to leave the airport or to fly to another country. He'd been expelled from his native country of Iran. Then he was sent away to Paris, France because he lacked documentation. He said that his Belgian-issued refugee document had been stolen. He flew to England with the help of authorities in Paris, but he was denied entry and they sent him back to Paris. This is a true story. When he was returned to Paris airport in 1988, the authorities allowed him to live in Terminal 1 of the Paris International Airport. Terminal 1. And there he stayed for 11 years, writing in a diary and living off of handouts from airport employees, cleaning up airport bathrooms for extra change. 11 years. Then in September 1999, French authorities, who I'm sure were tired of having him there all the time, presented him with an international travel card and a French residency permit. Suddenly, after 11 years, he was free to leave the airport. And they handed him those documents with a great deal of fanfare. But when they handed him his documents... To everyone's surprise, he simply smiled. He tucked the documents in his folder. And he went back and sat down in Terminal 1 and he kept writing in his diary. They found that he'd gotten so comfortable and familiar with where he was that he was literally afraid to leave. And so he made a choice. He chose to do nothing. It's amazing, isn't it? It's incredible. It's hard to believe that could be true, but it's true. But let me tell you something that's equally true. In churches all across this country this morning, a majority of people will be confronted with choices. And a majority of us will choose to do nothing. So what are you going to do? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have presented us with choices, important choices, about our lives and our eternal lives. 
For the choices that you present to us are choices that have eternal impact, eternal ramifications. Choosing Christ, following Him, is absolutely the best decision we'll ever make in our lives. Allowing you to be our life is the greatest route that anyone could ever take. And so, Lord, I pray for someone in this service this morning to come and receive Christ. And I pray for those of us who have already received Christ that we will strengthen our walk. Because sometimes we just falter. Sometimes when confronted with decisions, Christians are the most apt to do nothing when we need to do something. So God, help us to choose life. In Jesus' name, amen.